Welcome to the Landco Podcast. This is the year-round waterfowl hunter series, where we dissect the monthly activities of a successful waterfowl hunter. I'm your host and managing partner at Landco, John O'Reilly. First off, welcome back. Year-round waterfowl hunter. Um, the goal was to record an episode every month, and we started off really well and um, I guess as expected, we, we just got super busy during the, uh, you know, the middle of the summer, and we were trying to figure out the last time we had one. We thought it was August, but it looks like we're June, July. So, and Jody smashed his phone in his skid steer door. Yeah. Right? It was going to be a little blurry tonight, fellas. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little blurry. <laughs> but most people listen, no big deal. Um, so let's pretend that's right. The last episode was July, which is crazy. So we have August, uh, September, and we're in like mid to late October now, which actually is a good like segment because that's, that's kind of like the end of the, like all the work leading up to the season, right? Can we frame it that way? Yeah. Okay. Um, we're getting a little more like free and loose with these, which I actually kind of enjoy. So we haven't, I don't know what Jody has been doing. He doesn't know what I've been doing. Um, August was a little bit like, were you still planting anything in August? You're, you're, we're past that, right? Uh, we, we were focused mainly on dirt work by the time August rolled around and trying to get stuff patched up and ready to start pumping for teal. Um, okay. So explain that because we were, um, we're doing dirt work, but nothing were, um, nothing that we're going to hunt this year. So when you're saying dirt work, you're talking projects in the future or projects that are ongoing. You're going to hunt this year. Uh, projects that we were finishing up, uh, there in August and, and we've been continuing to do dirt work here. Um, we got rained out a couple of days ago, uh, but we're down to the finishing touches on several different projects. And um, literally as water control structures were going in last week, uh, we were starting the pumps and trying to get a jump start on soaking everything up. It's been really dry here the last three or four weeks. Yeah. And so... It's going to take a little time to soak stuff up, have a half inch, maybe an inch of rain coming tonight that should help us out, but we're pretty dry. You know, yeah, uh, we have been too until about the last week. Um, as you were, as you were talking about dirt work, I like, I sort of like dawned on me that I've been trying to avoid uh, conversations about projects that don't relate to this upcoming season. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that's actually fair, right? Because we're always doing stuff for the next year and the next year. Right. Right. And, and this can only be a couple minute conversation, but we've tried not to talk about that because I mean, we have that going on year round, mm -hmm. um, but that's a big part of it. Right. Like a lot of the stuff that you're going to focus on next year is stuff you're working on developing this year. Mm -hmm. We haven't done a very good job of that. Have we? Or maybe I haven't. Well, <laughs> You know, it may be different. A, a lot of the uh, a lot of the projects that I've been working on have been, you, you know, maybe in motion since last year, and we're trying to, you know, come full circle here, late summer, early fall, trying to get dirt work finished up, and um, there are projects that I I don't have anything started like I did, you know, coming into this year. I don't have a bunch okay. of stuff that was left undone from the year before because of all of the flooding that we had. Um, but we're, I mean, just in the last few weeks, we've been able to patch up some levees and, and get things kind of back to square one following the flood of 19 and uh, kind of nice to be kind of back, you know, back to a spot where we can maintain this level instead of, you know, constant repair mode. Um, yeah. But so like some of these projects that you, you've shown, there's no way, well, I don't know. Maybe they are. 
they're like year one, like that uh, timber hole, for example, right? Like mm -hmm. there's no way that that's 100% where you want it for this year already, is it? So we we shut that down um, right around Labor Day. Uh, okay. We shut down that project. We got done with all the dirt work. We got the water control structures in. We got 6,600 feet of electric put in and uh, two wells drilled. Um, rock on all the spillways we are ready to rock and roll um, so that's ready yeah. and then left so you have what's that so go you finish that and then i have a question for you so we left that project to go start another project across the tracks it was three miles of levee that we just up all right we're 95 percent there we got a little bit of so finish work so those are all those are all projects that you can finish up and this is the year to hunt them yeah really yeah so you haven't so that's uh like this is why this is kind of cool we're the opposite like most of our projects that we're doing this year are for next year mm -hmm. so that makes sense like we're 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 consistently packing up stuff you know maintenance like you're going to do every year but most of our development projects we won't have them how we want them until next year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you don't have any going on. We're too deep into this, but you don't have any that you're like, yeah, this isn't the year for them. Like it'll be, we're, we've made good progress, but 2021 is the year that this will click. Uh, yeah, there's definitely development opportunity with what we've already started, but I yeah. put, really really hard all summer long to make sure that we had the infrastructure where we needed it in order to be fully functional on this particular club um i had a couple other projects where i had to bring in some out uh, some other contractors um yeah you know a couple of wrp enhancements and a repair and uh man it's just nice that <laughs> we've got guys that want to work because <laughs> i really laid a lot out uh, for him well, I'm the same. It's all, it's all clicking for me. How you get, you know, four to five hours of sleep a night. You're working for this hunting season, literally. Yeah, yeah. So you're right up against the gun. You, youth weekend or youth season starts on Saturday this weekend. Okay. And okay. so we've got hunting spots ready. Um, that you know we've been working on all year, and and just now trying to get. All, all the blinds brushed in and and try to get access where we need it so that whenever it does get muddy and things turn off wet that you know oh, well, yeah. mess to deal with but uh okay. we covered up our 45th blind today yeah so we're kind of getting down to the end um we've got i don't know 10 or 12 kids that'll be hunting this weekend Okay. When's your regular season open up? November 7th. Okay. So we're about a week behind you guys. We had uh, youth last weekend. Uh-huh. But again, we we can't do much of that because we have the sunflower fields and um, we had a couple opportunities. But um, anyway, so when did you quit dirt work? Was that up until just like recently? Yeah, man. I still got two dozers, two tractors and scrapers and a track hoe. Right. I've got a pit to bury. I'm probably not going to get it done tomorrow. So I have to wait till next week to get that pit buried. Um, like we're down to the nitty gritty here <laughs> trying to get. Finished. Well, cause like how, um, and now I'm just curious, I don't know how good of a uh, podcast talk this is, but like how long does it take you to flood those? Uh, like where you're putting in a pit, is that for late season now? So we've got water stacked up in that particular uh, wetland unit. Uh, we've got water stacked up above it. So once we got it in, we can You've got to put water into it. So we've been staging water, trying to get ready for, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, a lot of the pools, you know, I, I look at 100 acre feet per well. And depending on how good that well is, it may take 40 days, it may take 60 days, depending on the saturation, evaporation, um, you know, losses that we have, like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes up to 40%. Here in the last couple of weeks with dry 
warm, windy days, you know, we're losing 30, 40, sometimes more than that percent of water that we're pumping. Um, um, so 60 so is I, So I'm curious about that. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to repeat that because we actually just sold one of our personal farms that we do a lot of hunting on. And at the moment, I'm intrigued by the river. And we just had never done it. So like we're, I've got a couple of clients who are in, they're ready to do it. Um, and I'm worried about getting water if I'm not by, you know, I don't know if you have them there, but we have like drainage ditches. We have like uh, water ditches that have like channels. But if you're not by one of those, you're like, well, we'll need a well. But so run through that again. Some of the wetlands you're filling are just wells that you guys dug. Yeah. Is that yeah. Okay. So um, run through Run through that again, because I'm actually curious about that. Yeah. So uh, on a lot of the properties, we don't have a relift opportunity, um, you know, out of a yeah. creek, a river, ditch. So um, we, we do have decent groundwater here and decent. Okay. I, I'm comparing that to, you know, the six, six, eight, nine hundred gallons a minute out of a 15 horse electric submersible pump. Where in southern Missouri, uh, you know, down in the boot heel, you know, they punch a well with a 34-inch hole and a 16-inch casing, and they can produce 1,500, 2,000 gallons a minute. Um, so we are limited a little bit, and so you got to be careful, um, you know, where you're punching your well, and, and you know, those things are not cheap. Uh, by the time you get done, you may have 20, 25 grand wrapped up in one. And, mm -hmm. and it may produce 300 gallons a minute. It may be a thousand gallons a minute. And so depending on how many, how many acre feet of storage you have in a particular wetland unit, it will help you uh, with the math problem of figuring out how much volume you need in order to get that property pumped in the amount of time that you want to get it pumped and i yeah. like I, I i try to keep it 60 to 75 days so i start yeah. pumping now you know october 15th somewhere right in there uh some places a little earlier um but try to be done and at full pool you know close to that last or that first end of the first week of december um december. Okay. so we're at full pool whenever we get ice and it gives us a little more water depth to try to keep open with some ice eaters and stuff um but so how big are those pools because three or four hundred gallons a minute doesn't get you very far on big big wetlands yeah on, right. on big ones um thankfully thankfully we punched six or seven wells in summer and all of them have been about 600 gallons plus so Okay. Uh, we've been pretty fortunate in the area that we've been working here um, this summer and it looks pretty good. I mean, as far as the amount, the volume of water that we're getting out of each well and okay. a, a little bit of rain will go a long way. If we could get a couple inches of rain, it sure would help everybody around here. Yeah, a couple inches is what it takes. So we're kind of getting into from August to like, did you start filling at all September or was that mostly October stuff? Um, you started filming. No, in we we did. We started, um, you know, some of the some of the pumps in late August to get ready for teal okay. season. Um, okay, a good push teal uh, early in the season. Opening day of teal season, we had more big ducks than I've ever seen. We had more pintails and gadwall and widgeon and mallards. I mean, we were out there, and you had to really be careful. I mean, because teal were not the only species around. Um, and you know, we had a couple of groups of widgeon that come buzzing through there. They look a lot, a lot like a teal whenever they're flying. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it, anyway, it was, it was really interesting to see the early push of big ducks and, and that early migration, you know, kind of get started in September. Um, the last couple of weeks we've had specs rolling through, um, and, we got a pretty good push ducks uh, earlier in the week, and I think we're probably due for another one uh, with the yeah. we got rolling in here. I mean, well, that's a good sign, right? Because like the prevailing theory is that they're not going to leave Canada, right? Because we're shooting at them. 
so I haven't, I, I haven't heard any reports, you know, how the guys are doing in North Dakota, but, um, not one of my buddies left there last week and, uh, said, if you could, it wasn't being hunted. It was, it was really good. There's a lot of, a lot of birds up there. Um, but I bet. a lot of hunting pressure at the moment. Yeah. A lot of I tried to book a trip to go up there, but I think I was too late to get a license, but I had the same theory. Like, well, if you can't shoot them in Canada, North Dakota should be good, right? Yeah. So, uh, um, but that's a good sign. I feel like last year was kind of that way. Last year, we were shooting mallards literally opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Usually, we don't shoot mallards consist- consistently until like Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, hopefully that happens again. Yeah. I, I think I, I think we're on that, that course. I, I, really, I, I think we'll see a lot of birds show up this weekend. Nice. Um, so we get through August. You're still doing good work, but we pretty much finished up. Um, I shouldn't say that. We finish up our development projects, and then we um, – I want to ask you first because this is – I don't think most people get this. When you start to fill a wetland, like walk people through the process of that because it sounds like it's a pretty simple process. You pump water in, and you're good to go because um, that's where we finish our dirt work because we always find leaks. We always find broken pumps <laughs> every year. Right. So that's actually when we finish our dirt work. Um, we've got, got all our new pits set and we go to pump and inevitably we find like a little muskrat or uh, water when we drained last year, found its way underneath the pipe or whatever. So we patch up all those. And that was done um, two weeks ago. That was the end of our dirt work. Um, and then we get into the pumps. Are we on the same track? Like, is that about the same time frame that you're working? Yeah. So you finish up, finish up dirt work and start the pumps up, right? I mean. Yeah. And that's easy, right? Um, the first brand new pump we got didn't work. Uh, it was running too hot. Uh, I was tripping the breaker every time. Uh, we have to service it. I think at our hunt club, we have, I don't know, six pumps something like that, and eight aerators. Two of the aerators went out. Um, again, we service the pumps every year. But it is like that 10 days where we start to pump, the first five is like full-blown maintenance to make sure everything works. Yeah. Did you guys go through that? A guy that I know, a um, friend of mine said, uh, farming is the brief interlude between breakdowns. Yeah. <laughs> It is very true of pumping water or doing dirt work or farming. If there's a problem, it's going to surface whenever you need that piece of equipment the most. And, work. you know, it's always last minute. Oh, man, you know, we should have turned this pump on yesterday. And you go to turn it on and a uh, breaker's bad or ladybugs got up in the breakers or... The mice built a nest inside your control box and chewed up all the wires. Or, uh, you, you know, there's a problem with the electrical company. They got to come out and replace the transformer. Or, it, you know, you you get diesel engines involved and start talking about all the all, all the hoops that you got to jump through in order to keep those things running. Um, you know, we're we're running seven generators right now and two power units, and I mean, it, it takes you know, one of my guys most of the day to that's what, get, get that's what I was getting milk run, um, just to take care of the fossil fuel pumps that we have. You know, luckily we just got you know, back and forth just to make sure they're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just refuel them, make sure you know it's not it's not acting up or or leaking oil. Yeah, I mean, it's just it requires constant maintenance, and that's that's why. A lot of our wells are powered by electric where we have the opportunity and, you know, the, the justification for uh, putting in electric, um, you know, as long as it's five years or less, it makes it pretty reasonable. You know, you go spending 10, 15, $20,000 on diesel fuel every year. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it makes that, that electrical project, you know, getting electric to your property a lot more reasonable. Um, 
a lot easier to swallow whenever you know that, you know, it's got a five year return. And, uh, well, it's, um, we literally just went through that. Um, one of the wetlands on the piece I just sold, I'm still helping this year. So I want to make sure that it goes well. And so we ran power last year, like 2,500 feet or so. Um, like, should we buy an electric pump or should we just use, we have a six inch, uh, diesel pump, uh, moves a ton of water, but it's a hundred gallons a day. Right. So we're like, we'll buy a pump and bought a 40 amp pump and on a 60 amp line and it's running 80 amps. So like, it's always something, right? So we're like trying to figure it out. And you know what they said? It's the first time I didn't do a local because I couldn't get anyone to call me back um, locally to um, come do it. So we just bought one online and they said, sorry, we can't take it back because you voided the warranty. Well, I was like, well, what's that? Like, well, you ran water through it. That's what they said. <laughs> I'm like, well, how am I supposed to know if it was going to work or not? So we've been dealing with that and we had to bring the, the diesel pump back and fill it up. So electrical, <laughs> it's awesome when it works. But to say that like this goes smooth from start to finish, if you have electrical, uh, usually, not always. Yeah, man, I, I've i got a really good uh, electrical contractor that helps me, you know, trench in lines and get VFD set up and get the control boxes wired in. Um, I'm I'm using uh, an app to control some of our electric pumps. Um, okay. We're using it to track the fossil fuel uh, fuel levels, and and if it dies, you know, uh, pump tracker will send me a text and let me know that that pump went down. Um, Amazing. He he's building water level meters for me, so I can stick this water level meter in. Uh, near the water control structure and it's solar powered and sends a text message twice a day with the water water levels and so now on the refuge i don't have to go in there in order to check the water levels i can look at my phone every morning when i get up and know where we're at and not only can i check the water level i can turn the pump off or turn it back on whenever I need to. And eventually, I mean, we're not there yet, but uh, he, he's working on the, the database on the backside. And once once we get a little deeper into it and get some more field time with it, uh, we'll be able to set upper and lower limits. So let's say that I wanna put a, a, a wetland on a very specific schedule. I can say, okay, basically program it to say, we're, we're gonna get to 24 inches by October 15th, um, if we get to 24 inches, we're going to shut the pump off. But if we don't get there by October 15th, it's going to run all the way through. Um, once October 15th rolls around, that mark goes to 30 inches. And so now from October 15th, to October 30th, we want to get from 24 to 30. If we get a two inch rain event, we get to 30 inches, pump shuts off. Shuts and- off. So let's say it's real dry, We that happens, and then uh, it dries out, and the water levels start to drop. If it gets down to my lower limit, it's going to kick it back on. And so it's hard enough trying to keep up with you know, 40, 50, 60 wells. This is going to make my life and the life of other property managers and outfitters out there That'd be huge. life a lot easier. Um, it's funny you say that. Like one of the guys that I with, like, uh, he's all about the cell phone control. He's like, we need to hook up your the pumps and the gravities, all that stuff, to like an app. I'm like, yeah, you're crazy, man. But now, like, hearing that it sounds pretty amazing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna forward this like three minutes to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I'm really excited. Um, Nathan Holmes has been really, really helpful. Uh, he's out of Southeast Missouri. He drove all night to come up last Saturday and install a couple of water control structures and work with me and my, electri- and my electrician to uh, get 
a couple of pumps set up and get the water level meters in and get them calibrated. Um, really, really looking forward to what he comes up with next. Um, that's that's the huge. Pump tracker is is the app, and they provide the he will provide the hardware. Um, yeah. What was it, the app called? Pump tracker. And pump tracker. T R K R. Um, but give Nathan a call if, if showing your buddies. That you can turn your your well from your phone is like something to discuss on the golf course during the summer. Like, right? It it is literally it, it's going to make my life a lot easier. But not everybody has you know fifty or sixty of them to take care of. Yeah. But having the having the confidence in your equipment, knowing that they're running, knowing what your water levels are, without having to be there, is is going to be kind of a breakthrough for absentee landowners and well that's what i was gonna say like even if you only have two or three wetlands on property most of those guys like we do this so we're out and about but if they're 60 miles away yeah working that's pretty nice to know that they're running um this is sort of off topic but not and we'll bounce back to uh what would probably be october at this point but so you can check all your pumps on your phone have you moved or tried the uh, cell camera, cell trail cameras for waterfall scouting yet? I haven't. Um, I will. Do you want to? I, man, I better be there every day. Like, <laughs> I'm ready to trade my shovel for a shotgun. So I'm going to be scouting every day. Um, no, you can't be I, all I, those places. I in that direction. No. I'm going to. Uh, Matt lives one of my. Uh, let me pull it up because he's got like 20 of them. One of them sends videos. Let me find this. But like, how great is that? Because a lot of these spots, at least mine, are hard to get to, right? Like, you have to physically get back there if you want to see what's going on. And there are spots that, frankly, like we don't hunt that much, but there's birds there. And if you knew there was a pile of birds coming like three nights in a row, how awesome would that be to change your scouting and hunting? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, uh, well-informed decisions are best, right? Yes, right. So it, it, it doesn't matter what it takes, whether it, you know, you're sitting on top of the hill uh, overlooking the wetland in the evening, watching birds go in or trying to pinpoint where they're going. Or you've got cameras scattered out trying to figure out where the birds are using and what time of day. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's no replacement, uh, you know, that time or or effort into scouting. Um, you know, I'm sure everybody's heard it. Uh, scouting is 90% of the hunt. You know where to go. You want to be where they want to be. Right? Um, yep. So it... I, I'd encourage that. I mean, if if that's the best way for you to keep tabs on it, and yeah, again, you and I can drive around and look at these spots. Um, most people don't have that luxury, right? Yeah. Like I only get to hunt. We didn't discuss this, you know. I, I hunt once a week, twice a week. I don't know. I just can't get out that much. Uh, I rely on my farm manager to be like, "You call me and tell me when they're flying." if I haven't been to a certain spot and he does, but if I had pictures coming in or video every, you know, night, I think that would change my approach. <laughs> yeah. Or if I'm a landowner that's like, you know, I don't know where most of them are from, from there, Kansas city or wherever. And you're, you know, how many miles is that from where you're at? Yeah. A lot of these guys are driving two hours up yes. here, you know, whether it's from and, St. Columbia or Kansas city. Yeah. That two-hour drive is a lot uh, easier when you know that the, there's been birds in your shooting hole three nights in a row, right? Oh, yeah. I, I like, like it to, like, uh, so the, they've been using it for, uh, you know, deer hunting for a while. And I know a few buddies that literally, so one of my buddies, Jake, just shot a deer on the farm he bought. Never seen it in his life. Got it on trail cam that, like, day, I think it was. Came home, got in the stand, shot it that night. It's amazing. So that's uh, 
I might give it a shot this year with the cell cams. So I'll report on that in like November. Awesome. I'm, what else are we missing? Man, it so is. So now we're into uh, now we're into October. We're starting like well, actually ours is uh, this weekend, but yours is what next weekend or a couple weeks? Yeah, we got two and a half weeks. So a little less than yeah. two weeks here. Okay, so what happens from now to then? Is it scouting? Or are you still filling? Are you still? Uh... <laughs> I, I've got 125 dozen decoys to rig. I got a thousand. Uh, okay. Hey, we still got you know 10 blinds to cover up. We will be getting ready until, until. the night before. I mean, it's. It's just too much. <laughs> it's right. too much to be done. And, and you know, we start talking about getting some ice early in November like we had last year. And we've got mm-hmm. to get into the generators and, <laughs> and the ice eaters and everything early like last year. And it's just going to pile it on. Um, but, yeah, we got a lot of we, – we still have several blinds to kind of, you know, set up and get the chairs in and – and get yep. tools in and and you know set up for breakfast and and kind of get ready uh and you know especially in the timber where you, you know we dress with willows or pin oaks um you know you go back and and we got to run around and kind of look at everything again and make sure mm-hmm. the wind didn't blow something off or or the beavers didn't chew the leg off the blind uh that happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, they had to reset that it. Stuff happens. <laughs> or you brush something, it looks amazing. You come back like a week later, like all the leaves have died and it's, the wind has shifted. It doesn't look <laughs> quite as good as you remember. Yeah. Every time you think you've got a blind covered up, double it. Double I mean, it, it, it looks, it, it'll look fine until things dry up, but it, they dry up and shrink up and, and by the time the second or third week of season rolls around, you're like, man, what happened to all the camouflage? It's, right. man, the birds won't, they won't break that 50 yard mark. I wonder what's going on. I wonder why. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I mean, and, and it's something that's ongoing. Um, you know, if you don't have concealment, you're not going to have a good hunt. Well, you're not going to have a great hunt. You could still you're not have. You're not going to have consistently good hunts. Every day when I go out, I'm constantly checking, you know, trying to make sure the corners are covered up, you know, grabbing more grass or, or grabbing more pin oaks. I'm taking loads of pin oaks every time I go to certain blinds so that, you know, we can try to pin them down and, and get them covered up. So you can check that, check that off. The birds, we might not get them all today. But for one, one thing's for sure, they're not going to see us. Right. That's and, not the issue. Yeah. And all too often, and uh, some, some of my older clients are, are more uh, apt to do this. They get out there and a couple, couple weeks of season goes by and all the twigs are broke off the front and all the, all right. the all pants are all broken. And totally shut the way, and you get out there, and it's like, hmm. <laughs> you know, if I was a duck and I was sixty yards away, and I could see down inside of your blind, I would, I wouldn't come in either. <laughs> I go somewhere else. Yeah. And and so we get this little comfort level, and we think, well, they didn't see us yesterday, so they're not going to see us today. Um, you, you know, there's a lot of a, a, a lot of things like. Whether or not the sun's out, what direction the wind's coming, um, you know, what time of day it is, uh, you know, birds pick you out at certain times of day, worse than others. Um, we've, you know, we've set up 15 new blinds this year, and uh, a lot of them have either been on the east side of a hole or on the south side of a hole so that we can try to, you know, get back into the shadows and hide with the sun at our back. Um try to get where you know the ducks are at a disadvantage whenever they're coming in because they're staring into the sun um so when you, when you hunt these east bank blinds because we have some spots that i've 
look great, but I, I just am hesitant to do that. So when are you hunting those on what straight north? What's that? Like when are you hunting those blinds on the east side? Like on a straight north wind? Anything but dead west. I, I, I mean, anything but dead in your face. Um, yeah. If if they can't see you, they're a lot more gullible. Um, and so you can get them, you know, especially in the smaller timber holes and, and uh, you know, smaller, tighter pools. Whenever, even if the wind is is coming the wrong direction and those little timber holes, man, flutter right yeah. in front of so, you. you know, we just don't have those, man. But, but if they see you, if they see you, they're not going to do any of that. And, yeah. And so most importantly, getting getting your blind hidden um, is, is more important than anything else. I mean, eat. Well, when I come, save me a timber. I want a timber hunt. Yeah. Well, when we come, when we come and film our and do a podcast or wherever, I want to shoot some uh, timber ducks. Okay. Excuse I got a radar. Okay. Okay. Good. Um. How about a forecast? He said birds are coming down early. Um, we're not quite there, but we have a pile of wood ducks. The weather looks good. Mm -hmm. I know you can't forecast too far in the future, but at least for us, like um, we're seeing good numbers. Our food is there. Our food is there, which we don't have every year. Um, usually when that happens, if the birds are here, the, it's a good year. Is that what you're uh, you either run down in your neck of the woods? So I want to take a step back and look at it from a little higher level um, and and look at the duck forecast. Uh, duck production, um, we don't have all the numbers and, and quite yep. the deal with COVID and, and, you know, some things not being done this summer that normally we would have. Uh, the duck numbers look pretty good. We had a really good breeding population um, going into this spring. Habitat conditions in in Canada were okay. Um, we're we're good in some spots, uh, dry in Saskatchewan. Um, but I know that Prairie Pothole region, uh, the boreal forests were both pretty wet. So good, good habitat conditions overall. So you take. 80% of the pressure out of, out of Canada with U.S. residents traveling to Canada um, with COVID. Nobody can get in. Yep. Now we've got a million more ducks that are going to fly south than normal. And and what we know about dry field hunting in Canada. All right. So a hatchier bird, a, a bird that just hatched last spring is 70 times more susceptible to a spinning wing decoy in a field setting than a non-hatchier duck. Yep. So it's it's seventy percent more likely to die at the hands of a spinning wing in a dry field in Canada before it ever even crosses a border. And so not only are we gonna have less pressure in Canada, we're gonna have more ducks coming through Canada that aren't aren't gonna get shot at near as much. A mm -hmm. lot of the the hatchier birds are not going to get shot up before they get here. And so when we have good hatches, that's when everybody enjoys good hunting because we have a lot of young, dumb ducks that have, have, haven't made this trip before. Um, yep. We talk about it all the time with snow geese, you know, Oh, there's just no juvies this year. It's going to be a terrible year, blah, blah, blah. Or, hey, there's a ton of juvies. Everybody's, you know, wound up about it because of the population. Well, it's so crazy that we look at snow geese so specifically trying to identify what the juvie numbers look like in order to figure out whether or not we even want to go hunt. And we turn to ducks and, and we don't treat them the same way. We, we don't think about it the same way. Yeah. Those hatchier birds are the more most gullible ducks that we're going to have. And I can guarantee you, it's not going to be a 10-year-old Mallard Drake leading the pack of a bunch. You know, he's going to be in the back watching everybody else get shot up. You know, right. that bird didn't live that long by being dumb. And 
hopefully, man, we get to see a lot of Dublins this fall. Oh, I hope so too. Big groups. But at least, so you're on the positive, positivity train because we've got like half and half here. Like a lot of guys are like, yeah, that's good. No one's going up to Canada, but they're just not going to leave until it's too late for us. Like, yeah, some of them will leave. <laughs> it, they're like, if there's no pressure up there. Degrees tomorrow night in Saskatoon. Um, is that what it is? They'll leave, right? <laughs> uh, I'm excited for it. So, I, I don't know. We, when we have food, we do well. And this year we have food. So, hoping um, it's good. But if not, I'm coming to Missouri. Well, we're coming to Missouri anyway. Um, yeah. We get three or four or five inches of rain over here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, it's really going to help us out, you know, collectively yeah. as a region, um, putting some water back in some of these little potholes and stuff. But um, bottoms are loaded with food over here. I mean, there's right. tons and tons of moist soil. Like the moist soil production in the area is maybe better than I've ever seen it. We had a really mm -hmm. wet July and August, and um, you know we don't have a lot of crops in the bottoms with the flood, you know, last year. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a lot of moist soil stuff, and um, there are some there are some clubs around that have some you know some hot food, uh, not not as much as normal. Yeah, still quite a bit of quite a bit of uh pretty good food plots and and you know corn that's you know might make 120 150 bushel an acre but um, that's good enough for that yeah yeah um what's your uh what's the public hunting situation there that's a big debate here whether that's going to help or hurt because and I, honestly i don't pay that much attention to it but i hear that like walk-ins are a disaster it's kind of a disaster how to check in and they think there might be like less pressure in general on those spots. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, I, I think a lot of MDC's um, their approach to this is is doing more stuff online yeah. and trying to put people in spots so that you know there doesn't have to be that much interaction. I mean, you go to a draw room and everybody sticks their hand in a box to you know pull pills. Oh, I can't imagine they're going to be pulling pills this year. Um, yeah. In light of all the stuff that's going on, um, but, but what I, about like walk-ins? How how are they doing? And I should know more about this in Illinois. I just don't. But like in Illinois, if someone doesn't show up, there's a pool of guys that are walking in. They're like, all right, go to those spots, right? That stopped. That stopped. Are they no longer allowing walk-ins? So. So at Missouri's state managed areas, they'll have a they'll have a morning draw, and so everybody will show up. There will be some uh, positions that are allocated to like a quick draw or a reservation, and then there's traditionally a poor line. Um, they've got three different levels: red, yellow, and green. Um, with red, I think that there's there's no interaction um, at all. If there's any hunting, they're assigned their spots ahead of time, and they literally check in and check out without any kind of interaction at all. There's a yellow level and a green level. Green is more normal, um, and yellow a little more restrictive. But there's just lots of new stuff this year with with COVID and everything else that's going on. Yeah, I don't know if that helps or hurts. Private landowners, I'm not sure. Helps or hurts private landowners mm -hmm. in terms of uh waterfall numbers so uh you think it would you think it would impact you know the the way the birds are moving around or so here it's like you know um if there's less pressure on state areas you know the general consensus is they won't leave as much mm -hmm. right so uh, last year, if every blind was hunted every day, those birds are scattering. And if that's not the case this year, then more birds will find those spots and not be forced out. 
yeah. which is where all the private landowners, you know, not not all of the birds be shooting in park or state parks or state-run areas. Uh, in fact, probably few are, but that's where all the numbers come from. But they do the fly counts; they're all rivers and you know state-run areas. So it's like, ah, oh, man, those birds aren't going to leave. It's probably the, you know the pessimistic people, the same people that are saying the birds aren't going to leave Canada, probably saying they're not going to leave the state-run areas. So. Oh. So those public areas only have so much food. I mean, you pile it up. Yeah. If you pile up enough ducks, they're going to eat the food out, and they may rest there, but they're going to have to. I mean, mallard duck is a a, a seeking and searching. Uh, has a, a seeking behavior. They're always looking for the next best thing. So they'll travel yeah. around day to day, and and a lot of times they'll go back to a good spot, but. You're always looking for the next best thing. And so they start, you know, they get down to 30% food supply or, you know, 30% of what food was there. And they're going to go on and start looking for a different spot. Um, it won't take them long to eat, eat out the refuge and have to move out and, and start looking for food sources in other places. Well, like your positivity. Uh, amen. I'm an eternal optimist. <laughs> Gotta be. Okay. One, uh, this is not going to happen, but uh, at the, uh, one of our farms we own, we, we've had the, this GPS truck bouncing back and forth and he's tracking wood ducks. So we have, he said a few there. So we did shoot a GPS teal last year, yeah. which is amazing. So now we're like, we out, hope that we, break this gps wood duck which would be just amazing <laughs> <laughs> it's like a get like a whatever shot in the dark but we're we're going for it man nice have you ever shot a gps tracker no no i never have either some some guy hunting one of my blinds anyway he's like hey i shot this it's kind of cool I'm like oh but i i've never seen one before that so did you get any data back on where that bird had been, whether or not he'd been on your farm very long? Yeah, so um, sort of a cool story. Like, you've tried to call the state for stuff. You know, you're lucky if they get back within, like, a month, right? There was a number on it, and we called, and we got a phone call back in, like, 90 seconds. <laughs> yep. It was nuts. Like, Dude, your phone's ringing. And the guy had, he, like, knew the duck. He's like, oh, yeah, he was in Chicago yesterday. Um, so they did like 20, they, they put the GPS tracker on 20 in, up in Canada somewhere and 20 down like Louisiana. And we just happened to shoot one, like blind luck, right? Um, and uh, the dude was like, will you send it back to me? Well, sure. He's like, they're, they're really expensive and we have to pay for a cell plan. He's like, he, he said they were $1,000 for the tracker and like 20 bucks a month for the cell plan. He's like, yeah. I'm like, do you have like a, like a, anything? Cause I'd like to mount it. He's like, yeah, for sure. We have a replica that's just hollow. It's just a hollow little uh -huh. unit. Like, can you send me that first? <laughs> I was like, can you send me that? And then I promise you, I'll send it. <laughs> and I haven't heard back from him. <laughs> oh, man. He, he wasn't it to you, was he? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> so I still have like the fancy, whatever, GPS track. It's going to go on the mount if I don't get it soon. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. Okay. Well, we're on. We're 48. I try to keep them at 30. Anything good that we uh, should have talked about that we didn't? Man, uh, hunting season's right around the corner. I've been pushing way for a long time. And the 70 and 80 and 90 hour weeks are about over with. Yeah, um, but once you get the season, you don't like sleep in, right? No, no. It makes getting up even easier. I mean, you don't get any more sleep, but just it's easier to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just re rekindles the fire, man. I mean, yes. It's, it's I'm with you. coming right up. Well, send some pics and we'll throw it on social media just to keep everyone all fired up. That's what, uh, how we roll it here. We'll do that in between episodes. So, man, so um, 
So we're end of October now, Illinois. We start Saturday. You guys start, you say, the 7th? Yep. So if we do one by the um, end of November, we'll both be about three, four weeks into the season. And uh, at that point, it'll be mostly fun stuff, right? Like we'll be talking about. Yeah. So by the end of November, you just need to come over here. End of November? Is that the time? Man, uh, anytime after Veterans Day. Really? So we don't get great. Like most of our like outstanding hunts don't happen until December. Really? Yeah. Like where there's nothing, you just sit back and they're just crashing on you. It's rare that those happen before December. Guys are rolling earlier than that. Man, we get our first big push of mallards usually about tenth of November, and okay. then after that, we're on pretty good. But uh, I think I think by this the end of this weekend, we're gonna have a fair amount of ducks here uh, in the Golden Triangle. Um, I pulled up to a property today, uh, check the water levels, and and turn a pump off and. Uh, or 3,000 specks and, you know, 2,500 pintails sitting on a wetland. I mean, it's, it's here. Like I take, I take back the timber hole. I want a pintail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't get many of those here, man. Man, I've got, I've got a farm that's got like 400 acres solid of water hemp and every farmer that is probably cussing me right now, but I saw all that stuff out there and all I could think was about about was all the pintails we're gonna shoot on that farm. Uh, <laughs> I'll take both. I'll stay for like a long weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, um it's I don't know, I I've seen it done, but I, I don't think we're gonna get many pintails in the timber. So we'll just have to get a couple well, of yeah, we'll just, I'll stay for a long weekend. It'll be fine. Yeah. We'll go hunting and then we'll do a timber hole. Easy enough. All right, cool. Well, we will catch up about uh, a month, five weeks or so from now. And uh, in the meantime, we'll put some pictures up. That sounds good. John, I appreciate right. it. Thanks for joining us, man. All right, man.